Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Colorado State University Global Campus, online education isn't another thing we do. It's all we do. Get an interactive education that's built for working adults like you and that employers demand. Explore your options at csuglobal.edu. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino and... Oh, shit. Oh, dear. We're not nameless, we're not What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft News Podcast. It is Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the podcast. Glad to give you five podcasts a week. It's been a while since uh, we had this much volume for you, but we are really excited about football season coming forward. We're also excited about uh, the resources that we have now to be able to give this show to you more often with the Draft Network and obviously for the launch of the Draft Network on August 6th. So uh, we hope you enjoyed all of these podcasts and get ready for a lot more of them coming forward so kyle welcome to the show here on this friday thanks man it's it's friday and i've got an axe to grind right off the bat here okay i had i had been brought to my attention uh, on social media throughout the course of this week that uh, our teammate john ledger had not some not nice things to say about spongebob squarepants on locked on nfl draft now have you heard this you can you fill me in here because this has been brought to my attention and i feel like it needs to be addressed uh, he basically took shots at cartoons in general and admitted to not knowing 
anyone on the cast outside of SpongeBob, and then he went, you know, I think there's a guy named Patrick. I mean, he was just kind of nonchalant about it, and I guess you you have some beef with that. Yeah, freaking love SpongeBob, dude. My the end of my child my cartoon watching childhood ended on like the prime of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm not talking about like the live action SpongeBob movie that they tried to make. Like that's garbage, right? Like the ship has sailed, you know, find a new show, find a new cash cow. But like when SpongeBob first started and it was like red hot was like, that show was the bomb. And I love SpongeBob. And let's not forget. Are you familiar with the SpongeBob characters, Joe? Of course, uh, of course you're not. No, you're not. Why would you be? Why, why I mean, I know you? them because they're in my face all the time on social media. I don't, I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent towards right. Uh, I mean, Mr. SpongeBob and his friends Patrick and the other other guys. Who who are the other guys? I don't know, man. I don't There's a character in... named Mr. Krabs. Oh, sheesh. There's a character named Mr. Krabs on this show. How can you not appreciate that? Now, I'll say this. SpongeBob also deserves a lot of credit. I'm glad you said this because it's been jammed down your throat, right? It's been the birth of so many just glorious memes that that alone makes it one of the greatest shows in, you know, current culture. Well, I don't like that I don't – I mean, here's the thing. How many times have we had to have conversations <laughs> telling me what these freaking memes, memes mean? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they mean. Can I just you... see this picture of this guy, like, looking down. It's Patrick, I guess. I don't know. What does that Malicious mean? Patrick. Why? That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yes, to it me. does. What do you have to be, like 28 and younger to understand it's an this? Evil, like... It's like an evil grin. Okay. You, I mean, you understand what Malicious Patrick is now, right? Yeah, now that I've had a class on it. Okay, yeah. okay. But maybe that's something we need to do. Like, our good friends over at uh, the Scouting Academy do, like, a scouting class. Maybe we should do a memes class here on Draft Dudes. What do you think? Well, I think you're going to have to be the instructor, and I need to—I'm going to have to uh, sign up. Tell me what the tuition is. I might need to hang out in the social media world and be able to make it. Uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I—I just wanted to get get that out of the way because I think it's John. It's it's ridiculous that you don't like SpongeBob SquarePants. That's outrageous. Oh, well, he's got he's got the little one at home now, so I don't. I mean, I guess she probably wouldn't be watching SpongeBob, but he's going to have to get accustomed to some really bad cartoons. Yeah. Uh, okay, Kyle, last, uh, yesterday I gave you a quote from the Big 12 Media Day and, from Dana Holgerson wanted you to react to that. I have another one today. This one's a little bit different. It comes from ACC Media Day and from one of my favorite head coaches across the land. That is David Cutcliffe from Duke. Okay. And I don't, I don't know the context of this quote, and I don't think it matters. But this is what he said. It's two sentences. David Cutcliffe says, people forget the punt is actually an offensive play. You average more on a punt than any other play. I'm ready for that instant reaction. Shut the hell up. That's my instant reaction. Really? Punters are people too. Is that how? Is that where he's going? It sounds like it's where he's going. The punt is not an offensive play. The punt is a special teams play. That's why when you call the punt team, the entire offense comes off the field. Uh, so here I have some – I have – Give some numbers here. Are you gonna try and talk no, I don't have this? I I don't have any numbers, but okay. I I'm not gonna defend Cutcliffe on the punt being an offensive play because it is just not. But the, I think the bottom line is 
I think any good coach understands the importance of the field position game and the hidden yards. Yeah. And uh, you've got to be able to do that. And I think I don't know the again, I don't know the context here, but I don't think I think that a good punter is a weapon, and uh, I think it's a very underrated component of the game. And I respect Mr. Cliff for saying this. Okay, but he he's totally misconstrued the value of a punter. The value of a well, punter I, and the value of the punt team is not – it's not an offensive – like if you punt the ball and your gunner catches it, you don't get possession of the ball. Right, but – It's I not mean, an offensive play. You're, you are conceding the football. Right, but if you, if you don't successfully get off an advantageous punt, I mean you are flipping the field potentially 40, 50 yards, maybe even more if you have a great punter. Yeah, it's or strategy. To be able to, to, it's not offense. Right, or if you, if you need to – your drive stalls at the 50 and you need a punt, you need a guy that can get that thing inside the 10, and then you get the ball back at the 40. You know, I, I'm, look, I think I think it's, I think the best coaches in the world understand the importance of special teams. Oh, yeah, hidden hidden yardage, you know, is one of the uh, – that, that was, you know, when I was coming up through the coaching ranks at, at you know, honestly, just a high school level, you know, that was one of the things that they preached, and, and you know, our, our football program that – that I was a part of was, has been extremely successful for the better part of, I guess, almost 60 years. We haven't had a losing season in 58 years or something like that. And, and it's one of the things that they preach, and they have, by and large, the same core coaches. And it's one of the things that they always hammered from the time I played there to the time I coached there was uh, hidden yardage, you know, penalties, field position, special teams. I absolutely think that there's value to those, but don't sit here and tell me it's an offensive play. It's not an offensive play. At a school like Duke, where you're pretty much going to be out-athlete, and every you're going to be out-athleted, I don't know if that's a word, but I just said it, in every ACC game, those that's the stuff that matters, right? That's where you could try to make up some ground, sure. make it as difficult as possible on the opponent. So Plus they, minus. Probably, right, right. Plus minus probably field talk, position. Go ahead. It's critical. I was going to say we probably exhausted this conversation on the value of the punter, uh, and, and it's time to get into my ult or not my ultimate. Excuse me. On our up and comer series, we're heading to the AFC East today, and again, the concept here is that Kyle and I are going to going to have an organic discussion about you know the young up and coming players in the AFC East: the Jets, Bills, Dolphins. And I guess, I, what is that other team, the Patriots? No. Uh, we're talking about the, the, young, the young players, Kyle. So I don't know if you have one to lead off with or, or what, but let's get this thing going. Yeah, let's talk about Minka Fitzpatrick, baby. I am so stoked. I did a spot with uh, Travis Wingfield from Locked On Dolphins earlier this week. And he asked me specifically about Minka and Minka's value to Miami. And uh, I, just, I just realized it, Miami has been sorely lacking a player like this, a, a playmaker on the back end that has a nose for the football and has versatility that he can play man-to-man coverage. You know, we, we talked yesterday about you know, what Pittsburgh was hoping when they drafted Terrell Edmonds and him being kind of a tight end eraser. That's what Minka can be for Miami. And in this division with Gronkowski, it's more important than ever before that you have a guy that can at least – have some size and play man-to-man coverage. Gronk's going to get his reps. He's going to win his reps. But if you can have somebody that can at least play toe-to-toe, that's a win. And Minka can do that. You compare him with Rashad Jones on the back end, and you have two guys that aren't the best like single high free guys, but they can roam between the numbers pretty well. Minka did that pretty well at Alabama. And they both have ball skills. 
They're both really strong tacklers. So I think you put all these things together in this package for Minka, and I'm really excited because Miami just has not had a player like this on the back end in a really long time. So their secondary is composed of three players that I love in Tankersley, Jones, and Minka. And Xavier Howard is a player that I was low on coming out, but he showed some impressive flashes last year, and he was a prototype pick when the Dolphins picked him in the second round of 2016. Even though they picked him at the expense of trading up for Miles Jack, I'm okay with it because Xavier looked pretty good last year. Kyle, I'm going to take an interesting angle here to start this discussion from my end. I want to talk about the New England Patriots, and I want to talk about the exact opposite of this show concept. They don't really have any young guys that they're counting on. If you look at this Patriots starting lineup, this projected 22 starters as Lindy's presents it, the the guys that they think are going to be win-starting jobs, there is only one player projected to start for the New England Patriots that has less than four years of experience in the NFL. That's Joe Tooney. Uh, who has three. They have over 10 starters that have at least six years of experience in the NFL. This is an experienced roster across the board. Now, when you think about the young talent that this team has, my my mind immediately goes to their first-round picks this year. Sony Michelle, the running back from Georgia, Isaiah Wynn, the offensive lineman from Georgia, and how important I think those guys are to – I think the identity of the team long-term because, you know, once Brady's no longer that quarterback, whenever that is, and I hope it's soon, you know, you can start building that foundation of a running game uh, with two really talented young players to uh, to start giving yourself a chance to win post Brady. And I think, I actually think that in the current environment with Brady, getting those two players involved right away, I think Win is a ready-made offensive lineman in the NFL. He, I mean, he he's a really high-quality prospect. Uh, love his technique. Love his experience in the SEC. He's always square. He's powerful. I mean, he's just a tremendous football player. And I think that certainly he has a chance to win a starting job on this offensive line. And, you know, Sonny Michelle is, is undoubtedly the most talented running back that they have uh, in their stable of, back, of backs. And so, you know, I think that long term it's interesting, but I think they, it would behoove them to get those guys going right away. But the big takeaway from what I'm saying here is this is by and large uh, a ridiculously experienced team, which makes sense given Brady, he's in the year 19, Super Bowl windows wide open. You don't need to go through your bumps with, with young guys, but – you know, this Patriots roster is, is not really set up for the long term if you look over it. Did he did he read the quotes from the Eagles? SI did a, a piece on the Eagles offensive line. Um, I think it ran on Wednesday. Did you happen to see this? No, I didn't see this, no. So they ran an article, and one of the quotes from it was, I think it was Jason Kelsey was talking, and he was talking about how the last team that they had seen before the Super Bowl was the Vikings. And they said they were watching film on the Vikings, and they're like, holy cow, these guys have some players. And then they got to the tape of the Patriots, and they said, holy cow, these guys have some coaches. <laughs> and I think it's it's quite a testament, isn't it? Yeah. To, yeah. To, to really, you look at the roster, and it's just do your job, guys. They've got guys in single spaces that are going to effectively execute – the teamers, there is no greater example of team defense and team play than what you have in New England. There's really not. No, and that's not to say there's not talent. Stephon T- Gilmore's a talented player. Devin McCourty's a talented player. Uh, Donta Hightower missed last season, but he's a talented player. Tom Brady's a talented player. Rob Gronkowski's a talented player. But by and large, top to bottom... This is not 
a team that's going to out-athlete you or out-natural gifts you, that they play hard, disciplined, well-coached, and opportunistic football. And that's why even when you think they're dead, they come back from the dead and they get you. So I, I, I agree with you, Joe, in looking at that Patriots team. Not a lot there. But, but someplace that does have a lot of youth, Joe, is your Buffalo Bills. And I want to talk about Dion Dawkins. Left tackle on Dawkins. This was one of my dudes coming out in the 2017 draft. Buffalo took him at the end of the second round. And, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer to your expertise here, but he played well as an offensive tackle at the NFL level which is super cool, right, and super fun because he went to the Senior Bowl, right, and they tried to play him inside, and he didn't play all that well. And they asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I'm a tackle, so this is, this is really new to me because I'm a tackle. And then he goes to Buffalo, and, and Buffalo gives him a shot at tackling. A lot of pundits beforehand were like, eh, I don't know, kind of kicked him inside. And he, he played really, really well. He's one of those guys that just – the the tape that he has, there's always going to be a question of does the tape translate. Deion Dawkins' tape translated and did so at such a way coming from Temple that it's understandable why there would be questions if it would. But I thought he was very, very good as a rookie in 2017. And he's not just a, a tackle. He's a left tackle because he yeah. had his bumps. He played some right tackle. He just doesn't fit there. He's, he's a freaking left tackle and he looks like he's going to be a good one really good run blocker and he held his own in pass pro filling in for cordy glenn let's find a way to say his name <laughs> this is this is eight straight shows talking about cordy glenn on the draft news podcast folks but yeah no uh, it's it's good that buffalo has one exciting offensive lineman because uh, by and large the rest of the group is uh, there's some question marks there we'll see what happens with john miller and I'm optimistic for Wyatt Teller in time there at one of the guard spots. Uh, Kyle, I, I want to keep it here with the Buffalo Bills and talk about the linebackers. There's, there's uh, the, the one everybody knows about is uh, Tremaine, linebacker from Virginia Tech, a player that you and I both loved a ton coming out. Uh, and, um, and he's just a freak, right? 6'5", 250, and he can win in space, play into the line of scrimmage. He wins in coverage. Uh, obviously physically gifted. He's a super high character guy. And so you think about, Sean McDermott and his time in Carolina where he had guys like Luke Keekley and he had Thomas Davis. And you get really excited about how Tremaine can fit in right away as a starting linebacker for the Bills. Preston Brown no longer part of the equation here. And so, you know, Buffalo hadn't had a guy like this on the second level in a long, long time. I mean, you think maybe since the days that like Sam Cowart and Takeo Spikes were playing linebacker for the Bills. I love London Fletcher, but I think this is just a different kind of player. But uh, it's been a while since Buffalo had a player on the second level, and kind of another one here there here at the second level that uh, is somewhat overlooked. But that's Matt Milano, who wound up getting an opportunity to start once Ramon Humber went down last year, and he wasn't about giving that position back. And you know, he he gives Buffalo a speed element on the second level. He's a really good pursuit style player. He wins in coverage, and uh, he made a lot of splash plays for the Bills last year. If it was coming up with an interception, recovering a fumble, forcing a fumble. And, uh, you know, I really get excited about him. He's a late-round guy from Boston College. He played a little bit of safety and, and linebacker, a lot of special teams at BC. But, you know, Sean McDermott kind of has a knack for finding these guys. If you look throughout the course of his career uh, in Carolina and Philadelphia, just finding these 
finding these guys and fitting them into his scheme and, and getting a lot of production out of them. And Mike, Matt Milano is a guy that I'm very optimistic about this year and, and what he can, can become with uh, Sean McDermott. So him and Edmonds uh, give Buffalo some exciting young players at, at linebacker. Well, just for the record, I'm super proud of you for not immediately pivoting to talk about Trey White, which I know must have been very hard for you not to do as Trey White's number one champion in all of football media. It's my dude. Um, I do want to give a I'm, – I'm not talking about – Buffalo with my next rant here, but I do want to say I think they do deserve a tip of the cap for two guys that they hauled in the middle rounds of last year's NFL draft. Saran and Teron Johnson were, yes, two, were, were two of my favorite small school prospects in the entire draft. I think Teron, Teron Johnson has terrific ball skills, and Saran Neal is a really interesting kind of hybrid safety that – Played a little bit of man-to-man, and uh, but by and large, his, his flashes were as a booming hitter, playing forward into the line of scrimmage. So uh, those two young guys probably going to be on the back burner for a little while because of you know the talent that's at the front of this Buffalo secondary. But uh, Saran Neal, Teron Johnson, those are two names I really like. I like both of those players, and I think they're good fits for Buffalo. And, Joe, th- this rant went a little longer than I thought it would. I'm just going to kick it back to you. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's just keep talking about the Bills. No, man, I'll be honest with you. Those are uh, not to be a homer here, but those are two of the 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 unheralded picks that I think they made that people don't really talk about. But uh, I'm excited about those players. Uh, let's see here. I got a lot of guys on my list here. Um, how about some of these young defensive linemen uh, with the New York Jets? Yeah. Uh, you know they've got Leonard Williams in place, uh, who's a stud, one of the best players at his position, but. Folly Fulkuransu, okay, from uh, Connecticut, and uh, Nathan Shepard from Four Days State, two guys that they drafted this year, and kind of just continue to replenish that that uh, defensive line talent. I think those guys are pretty scheme versatile, and I like their athletic upside. Uh, Folly, man, he's just a physical dude who who's so stout. He's tough to move, and he has a little bit of a, of a motor moving forward. So if you need him to get into the backfield, I don't think he's just a plug. Like, I think he has upside to play on the other line of, side of the line of scrimmage. And then Nathan Shepard, man, what a treat he was at the Senior Bowl for the limited time we got to see him. And you go back to his tape at Fort Hayes, that dude's unblockable, and he's just a high-character guy with freak athletic ability and physical traits. And, you know, this, this Jets defense has a lot of young talent you want to go to the secondary obviously with Marcus May and Jamal Adams but man those two dudes right away I think they fit into this this uh, rotation but then kind of keeps that defensive line and that run stopping ability and that ability to make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage and identity something that's been a true for the Jets for a long time now and I think those dudes have a chance to step in and continue that lineage yeah no doubt uh th- let's let's do folly a solid here it's Fularansu Fakutasi yeah, thank you. I certainly that was terrible. Whatever <laughs> I said, I had about two minutes to sit here and make sure I had it right before I said his yeah, name. So good thank, job. thanks for the monologue, brother. My, my notes said folly. Yeah, it's fo- <laughs> and then I just went with it, so that was bad. <laughs> so on offensively for the Jets, Joe, who leads this team in receiving in 2018? Jordan Leggett. Uh, it- <laughs> They better hope not. <laughs> no, Curse, right? Jermaine Curse is going to lead the team. It, is he? I would say I would think Quincy Anua coming off of injury would leaves that team in receiving. Well, see how he is. Yeah, I mean that's a good guess, but Curse was pretty good for them last year. The point is, these are not great options. Right. The skill, <laughs> the skill outlook features some young guys for the Jets, guys like Quincy Anua and Robbie Anderson out of Temple, who was was really good. 
uh, when he first came into the league, and he's had some off-the-field troubles. And Is our Darius Stewart going to be a guy that turns the corner? Uh, the Jets took him in the third round. They took Chad Hansen in the fourth round. Uh, but there's, there's just kind of like this random hodgepodge of guys. Like, Jerome Peake's a really gifted physical guy. But where's his route running going to be? Uh, they brought in Andre Roberts. They brought in Terrell Pryor. Like, it's just, it's it's a mess. They've got 9, 10, 11. they got 12 guys on the roster currently as wide receivers. And, you know, you could sit here and make a case for a vast majority of them to make the roster. But I don't think that's a testament to the depth of talent. I think it's a testament to the lack of talent that they have. Uh, the tight end situation is not great. Uh, Jordan Leggett's currently listed as a starter. Clive Wolford coming over from the Raiders. And then Chris Herndon, who they took in the fourth round, got popped with a DY, I believe, uh, within like a month after the draft. So that's not how you draw it up. Uh, this this Jets passing offense, you know, it's it's a good thing that they have Josh McCown because I would not want to be putting a franchise quarterback like Sam Darnold uh, into the fire early on with this supporting cast. I, I think this is an offense that, that really needs talent infusion just about everywhere, Joe. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. Kyle, I want to kick it back to the Dolphins. Yeah, please. And, uh Man, this dude was number two overall on my 2016 NFL draft board. I'm talking about Laramie Tunsil, who, I mean, it wasn't hard to identify his physical traits and his ability to move his feet and his length, and he's just an outstanding player in college, and it hasn't really come together yet for him at the NFL level. I don't think Miami did him any favors initially, kind of kicking him inside, uh, really preserving that left tackle spot for Brandon Albert, and then shifting him back, and... I just don't think he's he's adapted. But I'm really optimistic that it comes together this year because from a physical upside ability, Laramie Tensel is as talented as any offensive lineman in the NFL. And uh, he was a really outstanding pass blocker in the SEC. And um, I'm really optimistic for him. I'm hoping that <laughs> – I'm hoping as an analyst that uh, the – the better, the improved interior offensive line is going to maybe help him out with uh, Josh Sitton now in the fray, with Daniel Kilgore now in the fray. You know, they were starting some real turds on the interior for my, last year for Miami. It didn't help Tunsil. So hopefully the infrastructure around him can be better and uh, we can see Miami maximize those physical gifts because uh, I can't be taking an L on Tunsil's evaluation. I had him at number two on my draft board. Yeah, uh, frustrating player. Uh you know, he, he looked like the light kind of came on a little bit at the end of last year. But uh, he, he's he got to be a much improved player. I do want to talk about one more Miami Dolphin. Joe, I want to talk about Raquan McMillan, who was a second-round pick for the Dolphins in 2017 and uh, promptly tore his ACL on the first play of the first preseason game in which he was playing on – the kickoff coverage unit uh, as the team's starting middle linebacker. I'm not quite sure why your starting middle linebacker is playing on the kickoff team in your first preseason game, but I digress. Raekwon is back, and he's a bonus pick for the Dolphins this year because they, they he has not played in legit game action yet. Here he is. He is lined up again to start at Mike for the Dolphins, and the Dolphins need him. 
because the Dolphins, uh, Kiko, the Kiko Alonso experiment at Mike was a disaster, an unmitigated disaster last year. If you put Kiko in reps where he has to play pass coverage, uh, you're going to have a bad time, as they say on South Park. So uh, Kiko moving back to the will, you know, and I was a proponent coming into last year to try Kiko at Mike, especially once Raekwon went down. And um, I'll, I'll take my lumps for that because I, I thought that that was, you know, a worthwhile venture to say, hey, look, you know, you, you're going to get uh, some stout play in front of him, keep him clean. But just the pass, pass coverage skills are not there. So Kiko's has to be a C-ball, chase ball type player. Raekwon McMillan did some pretty solid zone work in pass coverage. And then they've got guys like Stephon Anthony, maybe Jerome Baker, a third-round pick from this year's draft, can be their pass coverage guy. I can play some some matchups on backside of the backfield. Uh, but but Raekwon is really going to have to play big. You know, he played physical between the tackles at Ohio State, and they're going to need him to do that in Miami because they let Indominus Kinsu walk. So your starting tackles right now are Devon Godshaw and Jordan Phillips. Uh, Godshaw really ingratiated himself with the coaches early on in 2017 as a rookie in the fifth round. And Jordan Phillips was a second-round pick in 2015. He's a talented player. He's just not a consistent player. Big year for Jordan. He's going to have to play and show up in a big way. He's in a contract year. And uh, Raekwon's going to have to bring a little extra oomph on the inside to make sure those interior gaps for the Dolphins stay plugged. Kyle, uh, I, last yesterday's show, I kind of finished out with some rapid-fire guys, and I yeah. want to do the same again uh, here today. Here we go. Uh, and I'm going to keep it with the Dolphins here because I think that uh, they have – I was going to mention that linebacker situation with Baker, with Alonzo, with Stephon Anthony, with Raekwon McMillan, seeing how all that works together, who plays where, how you know, how sub-packages, what groupings they like. And that's going to be something to monitor. But those are some – you know, when you think about Baker, McMillan, and Anthony, those three guys are really uh, young and talented players. The defensive tackle situation is really interested – Interesting with, like you said, Sue's gone. Jordan Phillips kind of expected to take on a prominent role. The two draft picks from last year and, and Vincent Taylor, and Devon Godchow, uh, and then the, the defensive line at large, Charles Harris, the number one pick from last season. You know, they need him to be an impact pass rusher. Right now they, they can kind of hide him behind Wake and, uh, and Robert Quinn, but, you know, if, if they can have him be that third guy and that eventual successor, to Cameron Wake. We need to see flashes now, right? Because last year was really bad. So he's an interesting player to monitor. Uh, two more players. i got to keep this with the Dolphins. I just had so many. Cordrea Tankersley, right? Uh, I think that he has a really uh, good opportunity here as a, as a third-round pick from 2017 to solidify that job across from Xavier Howard and give, uh, give the Dolphins a couple of uh, athletic and, and uh, talented corners that have ball skills kind of really kind of fit that mold of what the NFL is looking for in terms of length and ability to, to make plays at the catch point. Mike Gesicki, the tight end, man, he's going to be an exciting player. I think that Ryan Tannehill is, is not as bad as some people want to make him out to be. He had a lot of growth with Adam Gase. Unfortunately, the injury last year really cost him. Uh, but uh, for him to come back and, and kind of have, you know, a, a veteran group of receivers, need to see what Parker's going to do. But Mike Gusecki is, is a guy that I think is ready to come in and win as a receiver, as a pass-catching weapon here for Miami, and he certainly is a big upgrade over what's been there since Charles Clay left. Last player i got to mention, Zay Jones. My goodness, this dude, he's a top the 37th pick in the draft last year. Buffalo traded up for him, had a dreadful rookie season, has had a, a terrible offseason with the – the bizarre incident where, you know, 
where he was in a bloody mess and tried to jump out of a window and uh, then he had a knee knee injury really kind of miss all the OTAs he's supposed to be ready for camp but you know Buffalo you look at that wide receiver core we we've, we've talked about it you know Kelvin Benjamin Zay Jones Rod Streeter Andre Holmes I mean, this is Jeremy Curley this is just not a very exciting group especially when you have really an unproven quarterback room a young player in Josh Allen um, and Zay Jones needs to come step up and be that legitimate number two across from from Calvin Benjamin, who's in a contract year. And so we'll see, man. He needs to be good. And then I guess I got one more, Nate Peterman. A hot take. I bet you he wins the Buffalo Bills starting job, and he's your uh, starter for the first five weeks of the season. Oh, sorry. I dozed off. Uh, oh, you, you done? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast, folks. Uh, as Joe and I have been continuing to pound to the ground during this first week-long slate of Draft Dudes um, and podcasts in general. Uh, Joe, this is the first time you and I have done five shows in a week in the history of Draft Dudes. Time for history to be made. I'm glad, glad we can make history. Let's pop bottles, baby. It's Friday. Uh but, yeah, as we've been plugging all week, the Draft Network is really creeping up on us here. We're, we're less than three weeks away from the launch of the Draft Network, and uh, we'd like to cordially invite each and every one of you listening to the show to check us out because when this goes live on August 6th, uh, you're going to want to block out a couple hours in your calendar. We're going to have a ton of stuff ready for you, and we're just so, so, so excited about it. Uh, hit that subscribe button, follow along with us. Uh, we had offered a gauntlet for you guys to leave some five-star reviews of the podcast and uh, I, I know for a fact a whole lot more listen to you, of you listened to this week than actually left reviews. So we're going to try this again. I'm going to invite you guys to leave us some nice five-star reviews of your favorite draft podcast, The Draft Dudes. And we will shout you guys out sometime once we get some nice little volume going. So let's cook with some fire here, people. Uh, I, I feel pretty good that there's no way that there's only – one out of the 3,000 of you that have averaged listening to the show this week that happened to get to the end and hear the invitation to leave a review on the podcast. I'm just saying. Give us some love. We will give the love back to you. Uh, I'm Kyle Krabs. I'm on Twitter at GrindingTheTape. Joe Marino is on Twitter at Marino. This is the Draft 2 Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy your weekend, and we will be back on Monday to continue this series talking about divisional up-and-comers in the NFL. What does your morning sound like? Uh, goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The sausage McMuffin with egg and the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.